30 and Nerdy Podcast is presented by Advertising Expressions. With so many ad specialties available, there is a huge opportunity for professionals like yourself to boost ROI and leave a lasting impression with your customers. Our mission is to help you create long-lasting relationships with your clients through the power of promotional products by getting your name in front of as many people as possible for as long as possible. We can help you today. Call Advertising Expressions, the place that the nerds use, at 423-586-3270. Ask for Zach and tell them the 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Well, everyone, here we are. We are here to talk about they live and chew bubble gum. And we're <laughs> all out of bubble gum. I yeah. am thrilled and honored to be joined by the guys from Johnny Has the Keys. We've got Tim and we've got David. Guys, how are you? I'm Good. doing great. So yeah. happy to be doing this again. It's always so much fun to be uh, joining up with you guys. Yeah, it's fun ah. to go over to the nerds. Avengers the pleasure <laughs> So we're going to talk about They Live. This one's been on my list for a long time long time and we mm-hmm. just haven't gotten to it and i said let's hold off on this one because i really wanted to do this one with you guys because i feel like this one is right up your alley ironically when you first asked we uh, we realized we had never done this movie i mean we've done a bunch of carpenter but uh, you know our our essentially our first episode was carpenter with the thing but yeah. we had never done they live uh and uh, so it was, yeah it's kind of interesting mm-hmm how did you how did you first find they live i mean how did you first see this movie um so i first saw this movie actually only a handful of years ago it's one that i knew existed yeah because Mm -hmm. well it's like you don't see it on tv a lot or i don't i hadn't and it's not something that pops up a lot on like streaming because it's such an old sort of sort of movie it's you know it's not like even though it is a cult classic it's not talked about the same level as like Rocky horror or, you know, certain movies like that. So um, I knew it existed because of being a wrestling fan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who I also had the pleasure of meeting just a few weeks before his, his passing. Um, I was a fan of his and I knew that he had done the movie. And of course I knew the line about the bubble gum. So uh, one day I found that it was on Peacock just a few years ago. And Mm. uh, I said, I don't have anything to do for the next hour and a half. Let's check it out. And I did. And I kind of loved it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. So. Uh, How did what's... he die? I didn't know he died. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, I think it was 2015. 15? Yeah, that's what I'm reading. Yeah. yeah. 2061. I think it was heart failure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He was in the experience that I had with him. He was just a, a lovely, lovely man. He's one of those like, you know, tough guy, whatever, but you meet him in person and he like hugs you and he rubs your arm and he was just such a gentle, kind uh, man. And um, it was. Was he still in shape when you met him at 61? Um, was he still roughly? I mean, I mean he looked, he looked okay. you know how a, a lot of wrestlers, you see them years later and they have mm-hmm. 
you know, they look like shrunken kind of yep. prunes kind of thing. Uh, no, uh, he didn't. He didn't look bad at all. He uh, okay. I mean, it surprised me to find out like just a few weeks later that he had passed, mm. you know, because a lot of times, like you said, you see him and it's like, oh, you know, we're, looking, <laughs> we're looking too good. Yeah. Uh, bless their hearts. But how about you guys? So when this came out, this uh, released November 4th, 1988. What was the buzz released on Election Day? 1988 oh okay and i'm sure that was on purpose oh yeah it was actually pushed back two weeks it was supposed to release like the end of october and they pushed it back two weeks to coincide with election day because they thought that would help the the marketing so to speak Mm -hmm. of it uh i I saw the theater together didn't we i thought we did too but it wasn't like opening night i don't think so Mm -hmm. somewhere in that month I remember mm-hmm. us going to see it because we were voting. <laughs> no, it was not the reason we went to see this movie. I guarantee it. Um, what had he done just right before this? He had done Prince um, of Darkness. Yeah. Was it Prince right of before Darkness, it? Which is a, a secret favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not, so bad. It's good. And not mine. Because I, do, I don't remember seeing that in the theater. I don't think I saw that movie in the theater. Okay. Yeah, um, Alice Cooper's in that one, and he did the the main song for it. Um, I just remember the thing I know most about They Live, or that I remember most about They Live, is the music. And I had the CD mm-hmm. because we did a movie in downtown Morristown with <laughs> Bill Pitts and Steve Rowe, and then we would like play the They Live music while we watched it, <laughs> it like a silent film, and it always worked perfect. And that wasn't. Him or that was him with someone else. Well, it was him and the other guy, right? That did like the last three that he did. Carpenter Can't... did the bass line in that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then the music was done by whoever did Plints of Darkness and the one before that. I think uh um uh, uh New York. Yeah, uh, it's got a western feel to it. Well, Carpenter's that... always had a western feel to me, <laughs> but it's that electronic sound, but more western than horror. Oh yeah, this one sense. is much more western feeling yeah. mm-hmm. than this is more you know Howard Hawksy kind of feel. It's like he sort of made it match the the walking. Uh, yep. that yeah, yeah, it sounds like know. a stride. Yeah, and that's why it worked in that movie that we did because it was basically us stalking downtown Morristown. Well, and that lone, you know, that loner protector hero kind of thing. I mean, one of my first notes, because I had not seen this in years. Literally. Me either. Uh, up to your point, uh, Josh, I don't think it it pops up a lot. Yeah. Um, I think people put it on lists, but I don't think it 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 pops up a lot, uh, you know, and just in, in re- showing anywhere. But one of my first notes after it was over was this is basically a Western. This is a Western story. You've got the this hero comes into town. We know very little about his backstory or anything else, but he finds out that the town has been co-opted by some evil, you know, government corrupt bad guys, and he has to try to go seek revenge for all the the lowly people, kind of thing. I mean, that's this story, and that's a simplistic kind of way of doing it. But the the issue I have with this movie is the 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 screenplay. I think the screenplay is kind of doesn't go as far as it could. I wish sort of thing. I mean, that's my, my initial take on it. Now, did you know it was based on a short story? Uh, at the time? No. Now? Yes. Okay. And yeah, it was that. 
like and, and in my notes I've got because I read it because it's like not just a short story it's like a short story it's like 16 1800 words it's short it's like a few pages yeah, eight o'clock I read in the morning it. By it was Nelson. so short I read it when I looked it up yeah but. yeah and then turned into a comic book and I think Carpenter was actually turned on by the comic book that's what he was originally attracted to before the short story tell me but, about the short story because i have not read it well you can google it and it's it's available free if you want to read it um mm -hmm. i just know and it's been a while since i read it because i read it a little while back before we were you know planning to do this and then we ended up having to reschedule um it they are called fascinators in this the the in the in the original story the aliens are known as fascinators which is kind of unique. Um, to me, the story is not much at all. <laughs> As no. a matter of fact, there's probably more substance to the movie. There is. That's the thing. Yeah. Is the story is a setup. It's a cool setup, but it, nothing really. It, it doesn't really happen or close no, or anything. It else. ends with like, and then the war began. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, Which is essentially how the movie ends too, just with a lot more structure to it. Right. Sort of. Sort of thing. But Does it is the story of Nada, and he is this guy who kind of comes into town and suddenly, uh, suddenly real. He wakes up from hypnosis is the thing. So think Walking Dead pilot. He wakes up from hypnosis and realizes that he can see the aliens and nobody else can. So there is not this covert thing. There's no sunglasses. There's no, I've got a buddy. I'm going to get to join me. None of that. Does it surprise you that there's not been a sequel or a remake or a TV series made out of this whole idea? I think it would make a great premise for one. Yeah, because I don't think Carpenter fully fleshed it out. Well, I'm thinking about if you updated it to today with cell phones, you know, like sleep, sleep, sleep. And people literally like I work with teenagers every day, you know, just mm -hmm. glued. And I mean, really, I'm I'm not much better myself, but I mean, it's kind of scary sometimes. And I think about the way that language is shifting because of. Mm -hmm. Text social media. speech mm -hmm. and social media and how it's getting like lazier and lazier and so much harder to understand. Like, you know, when the kids say, oh, yeah, you really ate. It means like you did a great job. Yeah. What? Oh, I, yeah. I, every week I come across something that I go, I'm going to have to Google that and look yeah. that up. I Is it initials? I always have problems with the BRBs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just now it's subjugation of the actual word. It's yeah. like, I mean, you and I have talked before, Tim, about I hate the word sick, meaning something is good oh, because awesome. it's the sick. opposite of what it means. Yeah. The same well, way that bad for a while there during Michael Jackson's time and all that was this. Uh, it was way before meant, Michael Jackson. But yeah, but bad meant the exact opposite of what it meant. And I went, that's totally denigrating the language. You're not, <laughs> I mean, but now it's like these. Almost, I guess to your point, it almost is abbreviations or rhymes like eight. That is a good one. That's a good example, Josh. Yes, I, I, I definitely, after watching it again recently, think this is rife for a remake or mm -hmm. a limited series on Netflix or something like that. Because, Starring Wyatt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because actually, his dad didn't do the movie. Because his dad didn't do the movie. But, <laughs> yeah, but it could have been such a... I mean, I mean, the topics right now are still extremely relevant right now. Well, and to your fact, point, yeah, it would be everywhere. 
and the, the fact of how you know politically charged things are now mm-hmm. this was meant to be like anti-reaganomics at the time and oh, john yeah. carpenter was you know very outspoken about about his politics and right. stuff so i can't imagine what he has to say today uh or i don't know if he is you know still comments on politics or not but i can't imagine what he would have to say and how that would then translate into a show or a remake or or whatever well i mean the haves and the have-nots are the core of this and the whole ruling elite being the wealthy and everything. I, I but i think he missed so many emotional points like i think vernada roddy's character finding out that it wasn't just the aliens that are bad it's humans helping the aliens that Mm -hmm. could have been a huge emotional thing for that third act and it's not there's this line that the one guy says it's like oh we all sell out every day what's what's the harm in that or something like that john carpenter said that was a real thing that one of the producers or somebody somebody said to him in hollywood like oh what's the big deal we all sell it every day and he's like wow so he took that and threw that in the script mm-hmm. yeah and it's it would be, it would definitely be so topical now i mean to your point josh i'd probably change it up and have these kids at bed at night and they think they're scrolling through stuff but what they're scrolling through is actually saying don't sleep so that they get tireder you know that sort of thing all these anti you know yeah. that was a cool aspect of the movie i think that's the gimmick that everybody always remembers is the glasses and the gag with the glasses of uh you know consume conform obey all of that i mean my favorite was when you look down at the money and the money said this is your this god. is your god yeah that's uh, the one that got me i went yes that is so true even yeah. now you know so yeah, 35 years later, I think he was on the right track. He just uh, happened to uh, not go there as much as I think he could have or should have. Didn't you say that, I think you told me not long ago, that John Carpenter has a new series on television. Yeah, so he, new one that's it, coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a horror series. It's going to be on, it's not Shutter, but it's something. And it would be interesting if, even if he wanted to do one episode of that, that is this. Now right. I mean, well, and it, you would get forward. political takes on anything potentially, um, as far as current affairs. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Carpenter still is very, you know, what they would call liberal or or mm. progressive in his politics, and always has been. So, yeah, he's been yeah. very vocal about it in the past. I'm sure yeah. he's probably the, not the, that quiet now. The comment would be, "You go woke, you go broke." Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> you sure. go. So let okay. So Roddy Piper playing John Nada. One, I think it's interesting that his last name is Nada. So he's like the everyman or whatever. But Nada makes me think no one, nothing, nothing. Like yeah. he's, he's a nobody. Mm-hmm. So that's clearly on purpose. So Roddy Piper, Tim, Tim, you said you didn't know anything about him other than he was in this movie. Uh, like, I knew. Um, I mean, I know what I did as far as research for the film that he like quit the WWF to be in the film. Mm. Like at the time that it came out, when you saw it, you didn't really know who he was. Mm, no, recognize him. not at all. I thought I honestly, and I'll tell you my, when I first saw Roddy Rowdy Piper, a Rowdy in parentheticals, everything else. I thought maybe he's a stunt man. They've <laughs> hired a stunt man to do this sort part. Of. And then after I watched it, I kind of went, yeah, he's kind of a stunt man. More or less. Uh, You're a sheltered less. human being. <laughs> 
No, because I never did WWE or F or any of the W's. Well, I mean, I knew he was a wrestler, and that name alone screams wrestler. Yes. <laughs> so at this time, this would have been after like the whole rock and roll wrestling thing that they did, and um, they had people like Cindy Lauper involved in the big wrestling angles, and so she it was did really come into it. Yeah. yeah. So it was sort of hitting the mainstream. And um, Roddy Piper had headlined the first ever WrestleMania where he tagged against Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Wow. Okay. So a lot of people knew him. So he was a bad guy, pretty much. I watched wrestling earlier than that because I was much smaller. And I watched um, like the late 70s instead of the late 80s. So you were probably watching like the territories. Gorgeous George Jr. and like those NWA guys. and stuff yeah. like that. Before I think it was, was Southeastern a- maybe, but I don't know. And it was always on Saturdays. So. Yes. Now, doing research, I remember seeing that, I mean, it had him in a kilt, him interviewing uh, Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. him doing a bunch of, but also showing him in the ring, he was he was the villain, right? He played yes, a villain. He was a bad guy. He, okay. um, he played bagpipes to the ring and all this. He was from Saskatchewan, and he had okay. the, the Scottish heritage. Interesting. Canadian Scottish? Yes. Canadian <laughs> Scottish. There's okay. lots of them right there. They are. Look at okay. them. Look at How about them. this? <laughs> Where do you think that comes from? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just doing Scotty. You need to put the uh, boots in there and uh, take <laughs> off and hey, hoser or what have you. <laughs> Let's, how many other people can we offend? Uh um, I did. I found something else, Josh, that um, you asked about the opening of the film. Did you know about the opening of the film? It's it was it opened number one at the box office. I, I didn't, didn't know that. that. No. Yeah. And then it just disappeared like two days later. So I don't know what happened, but aliens. they had a budget of three million. <laughs> And then at the box office, only in North America, it says uh, $13 million. So I don't know if it was released anywhere else. I think it might be what David was saying. Maybe they were using the uh, election to promote it and everybody Mm -hmm. went and then word got out that it wasn't that great. And they probably that it just tanked after that or something else came along and knocked it down. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I know that it was Carpenter. I mean, he intentionally didn't do it through a studio. It was with, a, I think, a live entertainment or someone like that was the production company. So it was an, it was considered an independent film, which is interesting coming from, you know, what he had done just a f- few years before. Starman, which was nominated for an Oscar. Right. Yeah. And so, but he was so disenfranchised with Hollywood, decided to go the independent route again and have more mm-hmm. control and more stuff. So that's why he did Prince of Darkness and this He's one. Maverick. He never yeah. went back until like Escape from L.A., I think. Well, and, I, and we all know that was a total sellout. Right. I mean, he, he right. really just phoned that one in. Uh, him and Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah, that was all about money. Well, and Kurt sure. was supposed to be in this, right? I hadn't I think- heard that. Yeah, I had read that. that Yeah, I I think that they were trying. I think John actually nixed that because Kurt had been in so many and the characters so similar 
that I think either he or Kurt said no because they were afraid other characters would blend in too much. Yeah, because it's written by a guy named Armitage, which turns out to be an alias for Carpenter. Yes, and I was about actually, to ask about that. Okay, so That's he actually because- wrote it, and he's the one that I think, and when he was writing, it was kind of picturing Kurt, but then thought, wow, we've done way too many movies together. Who do they, Who do I think I am, Mike Flanagan? I mean, I can't do this sort of thing so he decided to uh release it under frank armitage because he didn't want it to be like his name popping up on everything all the time in the opening credits because he did the music and he did the screenplay and he did the directing and everything so. which i don't know why he suddenly had a change of heart because every other almost every other movie he ever did he insists his name appears above the title so yeah, i don't true. know why he suddenly gets self-conscious about his name but and you know I, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I read that the Keith David character, his name is Frank Armitage. In the the cast character? Yes. His name's Frank. I don't I didn't know. Oh, okay. Name, well, that's yeah. kind of cool too, I yeah. guess. Wikipedia said Frank Armitage, I believe. There you go. So take that, you know, what you will for that. But well, then like we only know Nada's name from research, right? Because it's never mentioned in the movie. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think his name is ever said in the movie. So. Um, I just found what we were talking about. It was John Carpenter that nixed Kurt Russell because he had had him in Elvis, Escape from New York, The Thing, and Big Little, Big Trouble in Little China. And yeah. he thought, I better switch it up. Um, and there sense. were a ton of people that were considered. Um, Alec Baldwin, Michael Bain. Uh, Brian Bosworth, Jeff Bridges, Bruce Campbell, Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Tommy Lee Jones, Michael Keaton, Christopher Lambert, Stephen Lang, Dolph Ludgren, Michael Madsen, Bill Paxton, which would have been hilarious, Ron Perlman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Of course, it's the late 80s. Patrick Swayze, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Johnny Depp, David Hasselhoff, and Bruce Willis. So any male acting in the, in the 1980s for this role. Yeah. Wow. I mean, um, but he wanted a rugged individual, which is why he went elsewhere and found Roddy. So, yeah. Do both of you think that works? And what do you think of Rod, the, the wrestler in this part? Um, I didn't I see anybody else. The character's fine. I have problems with his wardrobe. What? Yeah. I can't get well, past the mom jeans, man. <laughs> The well, mom jeans wear me out. I think wardrobe in this entire thing, even Meg Foster's. I was going, who who costumed this show? And her hair, but that's yeah. of course the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And I love Meg Foster. <laughs> you know, I love Meg Foster. I know. I agree. <laughs> and I've always liked Meg Foster, especially those eyes and everything else. Um, although she she rarely gets to do more than just be the mean staring person. That's what she, that's her role. And duplicitous. She does. Yes. D- d- yeah. Never trust her. Duplicitous. Never trust her. She will be wrong. No. Um, I, I, I agree with you, Josh. I mean, I can't, I, I could maybe, okay, let me backtrack a second. Recasting the lead role would depend on what genre we're going to try to put this in. Because in doing reviews of this and reading reviews and everything else, people were really confused about, is this a satire or is it a straight science fiction film? And people saying, is it funny or isn't it funny? I, I don't get funny that at all. Is it funny to you? No. Fu- okay. 
No. But that's what a lot of people are saying. This was a comedy. I even read one review that said Roddy Rowdy Piper didn't know he was in a comedy. And I went, well, neither did I. I, mean, no, I was I watching. Think he was. <laughs> I, I mean, think the aliens look funny and that may confuse people. The ghouls. Yeah. The... And I also think the black and white threw people off too. But the black and white is only when they put the glasses on. So yeah. I don't think that's a, an issue. I think... Uh, I think there are times when the excessive excessiveness of it make people drop out of the movie. So they try to think, oh, it must be a comedy. He's making a comedy of some like even the destruction of the Freedom Town or whatever the little shanty town is. That goes on for a long time with a bunch of cops just all in riot gear and pushing people and everything else. And I'm going, we could have probably trimmed that a little bit. And then we get into that big fight in the middle. <laughs> and that fight um, is that literally fight is forever. over five and a half minutes. I'm long. still watching that fight. I know. You could read the short story in the time it would take you to watch that fight, I think, really. Um, and it's, it's an homage that I couldn't find any information on, but I know it's an homage. To what? It is, uh, uh, it's an homage to The a, Quiet Man. Yeah, a John Wayne fight scene. In The Quiet Man with Vic McClaglin, it was a nine-minute fight scene that goes through Ireland. Yeah, but that's a good fight. It is a good fight. (laughs) It's like one of my favorite movies. This fight is only six minutes long. The one in The Quiet Man was nine minutes. And I remember reading about it when this movie came out, but when I went to do research for it, I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, this is not a Howard Hawks movie. This is a John Ford movie. Yep. Yep. Much more John Ford than Hawks. And but Josh, so, so and not like a the moves in the fight are the moves similar to what Roddy did in the ring? That kind of there stuff. Because I noticed certain, there's a lot of that pick up and yep, fall down yep. sort of stuff. Those things definitely were Roddy Piper led. Okay. Um, the lifts and the slams. And um I've I've went and watched on YouTube. There's like special features, you know, behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. And it shows they spent like two weeks rehearsing for that fight you know, dropping him on mats and stuff like that yeah. and teaching him how to work the punches. Yeah. But it was an excessive fight. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, wow. Yeah. You start this, looking at your watch going, this is a lot. And then they have stuff to me like, and again, why people may have thought it was a satire or a comedy. I mean, he literally knees that guy. I counted five times in a row. I mean, just knees him right in the crotch. And then they both start laughing. And I'm going, no, I would be curled up in a ball going to the emergency room. But (laughs) Uh, but he was was very careful with Keith David. He didn't want Keith to get hurt or to shy away from anything. Um, And Keith was gung ho for it. And I'm sure Carpenter just let him go. I'm just surprised he didn't edit it down. But then again, like I said, he started phoning movies in and he would just do whatever he wanted. Um, I did get while we're talking about the fight, I guess it I think it was John Carpenter who said it. The uh, idea of Keith David's character like resisting. No, I don't want to put the glasses on. I don't want to put the glasses on. He doesn't want to know the truth. He He's resisting the truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think was Carpenter's take on Reaganomics. <laughs> yes, yeah. of course, you know, um, and again, back to my comedy point, you've got. Roddy's ad lib, which became the tagline for this movie, you know, which you started with. I'm I'm here to chew bubble gum and 
whatever kick ass what yeah. is it here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and i'm all out of bubble i gum. have come here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and i'm all out of bubble gum <laughs> yeah and and then in the other scene when he's with keith david he has the line about life's a bitch and she's back in heat or whatever yeah. <laughs> you know that's another one of those that i'm going where did this line come from why did you <laughs> He had a few of those. And there's another good one that uh, if we hadn't been talking about, it, I would have thought of it. But he has lots of those little throwaway lines that are funny. Oh, the one about uh, when he he looks at the one through the glass, he's like, you, you're OK. This one, she real looks like ugly. Yeah, real ugly. <laughs> That's at the convenience store. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 That was Which... the most expensive scene in the whole movie. Yes. Because they had to rebuild a whole grocery store. And put all the product there with generic yep. labels. Yep. Uh, I thought that was a really cool piece of trivia because they were talking about the fight scene was long, two weeks of rehearsal and then editing, I mean, shooting. But it was not as expensive as the three days they did in the grocery store because they had to build that entire set and restock it over and over again with different extras for different cuts when they're in the glasses and out in glasses out in you know and i was going oh yeah i hadn't thought of that it's not just a filter glasses too it's not just a filter they're putting on they've got to actually redo all this did you read the trivia about the design because you had said they look like ghouls yeah they call Um, them ghouls the design for the reason they're designed that way or the reason he went with that design corruption of human beings yeah, they uh, he wanted them to look like desiccated or decaying humans rather than an alien look. Right. But it's a skull face. It looks more like Invader or Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my biggest keys is they look like they just need to take the wigs off and they'd have and put the bubble helmets on them. And oh, the go. brain heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Do not run. We are your friends. We are your friends. <laughs> 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery, where legends are made. Here, we won't herd you like a bunch of old cattle, leaving you feeling dazed and crazed and in a smoky haze. Here, we aren't just another moonshine sip and stop in the volunteer state. We are much more. At Tennessee Legend Distillery, we will show you that billboards don't make you a legend. And here, you aren't just another sale and a printed receipt. Here... You are the legend. Come be a part of the legend by visiting one of our four locations located across the state of Tennessee. Whether you're visiting the small local town of Cookville, boot scooting in the music city of Nashville, or relaxing in the beautiful Smoky Mountains of Cerebral, Tennessee Legend Distillery will have you saying, make mine a legend, no matter what you sip on. Stop in and try any of our multi-award winning spirits like our King Snake Bourbon Whiskey, our 120 proof white corn hammer shine, or our number one seller, our salted caramel whiskey. Not only will you become a part of the legend, but you will also become part of our secret creed of spirits. That's right, Tennessee Legend Distillery is the only place you'll be able to find the exclusive Assassin's Creed Spirit Collection. We have the AC15 four-year-old bourbon whiskey celebrating 15 years of Altair, Ezio, and all of the other Assassin's Creed characters. Next up, we have our Valhalla Vodka, a smooth, 80-proof, tasteless spirit that will keep you going on any cold or hot Midgard night. 
Last, but certainly not least, take to the high seas with our brand new Black Flag Spiced Rum, a spirit that would make Edward Kenway join our crew. These legendary exclusive spirits can only be found here, with more on the way. Brought to you by Ubisoft, Anthem Spirits, and Tennessee Legend Distillery. For more information, check out our TennesseeLegend.com or follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Live in another state? No worries. Go to kegandbottle.com. That's K-E-G-N-B-O-T-T-L-E, kegandbottle.com, and search Tennessee Legend Distillery. They'll deliver it right to your door. Mention 30 and Nerdy Podcasts while checking out in any one of our locations across Tennessee and receive a free shot glass. What are you waiting for? Come walk among legends at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. What's up, guys? This is Logan, better known as the Rev of Rents on yours truly, 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Exciting news coming to you because your boy now owns a business. And that business is Shane's Rib Shack in Georgia, McDonough, Highway 81. And we've got some delicious food. We've got ribs. we got wings. We've got tendies. We've got boneless. We've got everything that you want. You like burgers? we got that too. And I would be very appreciative if you showed me the love that you showed me here, right here, the 30 Nerdy Podcast, and go and find me in Georgia and eat some of that Shane Shack food. And if you do, always tell them that 30 and Nerdy sent you. And I promise, my word right here, you mentioned 30 and Nerdy, you get the free sweet tea. That's on me. And that's a promise because the reverence never breaks the promise. Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where each week the drunk guys tackle a famous book while drinking craft beer matching the book characters or themes. Such as, The Devil Made Me Do It, while reading The Scarlet Letter, or Dissenter, while reading 1984. You'll just have to tune in to find out what went along with Fifty Shades of Grey, but you'll definitely want to find out. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Hey nerds, this is Beth Crowley, and you're listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. We talked about Carpenter's intent was to take on Reaganomics, but did you hear about the uh, or see about what neo-Nazis did? No. Uh, Neo-Nazis and white supremacist groups uh, co-opted the movie for their own purpose, spreading rumors that it is an allegory for Jews controlling the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, This forced Carpenter to go on Twitter in 2017, stating that it's about yuppies and unrestrained capitalism. It has nothing to do with the Jews and the controlling of the world. And that's in 2017. He's doing that. And he said this slander and it's a lie. So he he is on Twitter talking. (laughs) How topical the themes are, though, still today, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think 
a remake of this would also be a challenge I've got in my notes because of the modern. And Josh, you're probably more familiar with this than we are, but the whole mass shootings, school shootings, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Having yeah. a guy go into a bank who says that he, who is obviously yeah. delusional, but we're supposed to support him killing everybody he can inside yeah. because they're aliens. It is a little unsettling. Yeah. I had that yeah, thought. It would too, have like, to be a cable series, like a streaming platform or something. Yeah. Yeah. I would think along the lines of Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, All prophetic. Yes, there you go. Like an HBO thing. Yeah. Um, I've got other trivia. I've got oh, if you look in the background, uh, especially when they're in the um the television studio. And it also comes up earlier in one of the other scenes when they're with the rebels, but the rebels are holding the Ghostbuster device, the one that opens up and the little Y opens up. Oh, and no. LEDs are on it. <laughs> it's actually from Ghostbusters. It's one of their props. That's so funny. They Good repurposed one. it because he probably found it in a thrift shop somewhere in L.A. <laughs> I got that uh, the signal sleep sleep. That's John Carpenter. Oh, okay that makes sense uh slowed down uh, and lowered by an octave i think david did you recognize the drifter that ended up being in cahoots with the aliens later um that actor george buck flower i mean he was familiar to me but i can't remember where i've seen him before he's the guy in the fog that goes that ain't no fog bank out there oh okay (laughs) as soon as i heard his voice i was like oh my god that's that guy (laughs) there's fog bank out there there's a fog bank out there. Yeah, he's got a really gravelly voice. Yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, Peter Jason's in it too. He's another uh carpenter like mainstay. He's in about as many movies as Donald Pleasance, probably, if not more. Mm-hmm. Uh Meg was new though. She was the only one that was kind of unfamiliar to Carpenter territory. She um I know her from Carney, that movie she did with Robbie Robertson and Jody Foster. And, oh um, yeah, and what's his name? Uh, Bud, Bud, Bud. Oh, <laughs> Buddy Holly, <laughs> Gary, Gary, Gary Busey. Busey. Yeah, <laughs> not think of his name. <laughs> That's a great movie, man. That was like an HBO thing that I would watch late at night because I was too young to go see it in a the theater. Or I remember that Carney. That was kind of creepy too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Carnies. It's about carnival barkers yeah, or whatever. We are creepy. And yes. and Jody Foster runs away and becomes one of them with Meg Foster, like as her mentor. Was well, this some yeah. movie? It was a movie, right? Yeah, it is. Nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was early. It was early in Jody's career. I mean, she wasn't a kid star anymore. She'd already done Little Girls List Down the Lane. But anyway, Meg. That was probably the first movie I knew Meg Foster from. And she's like a Canadian actress too. I think. Hmm. I'm pretty sure she is. Um, but that's really all I have on cast. Where did Keith David come from? Well, obviously, Keith David came from The Thing. That was his first movie. So, Man, he's I mean, good in that, too, though. Child. He's so good in that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you a murderer. That makes you a murderer, don't it? I do have in my notes, too, that Carpenter, it, it kind of occurred to me in this one. Car- one of Carpenter's biggest themes in all of his movies is distrust. <laughs> yeah. And when you start thinking about it, then apply it to all of his movies, it's like, 
Yeah. And this one, it's distrust the wealthy, distrust the government, distrust what you actually see, very Philip K. Dick kind of what your reality is, is not what you think it is kind of thing. But, you know, escape from New York is distrust the government. Uh, the thing is distrust everybody. Um, uh, uh, Halloween, distrust on, masked men. <laughs> well, assault on precinct 13 is distrust you know, the, the cops. Distrust, uh, yeah, you're right you there. Know, they can't protect you kind of thing. And so it's really interesting when you start thinking about it. You know, Prince of Darkness is don't trust the church. The church actually holds evil in the basement. Right. Sort of thing. It, you're right. You know what? It's funny that he and Stephen King didn't become better friends after Christine because they both had that same 60s mentality of don't trust people. Well, and he got Christine because of this, right? Because this did so bad. No, Christine was out before this. Oh, Christine came out um, right before Starman. I think okay. Christine and Starman were both big budget movies by Columbia. Um, now, this was distributed by Universal, but I don't think that they made it. I think they just distributed it. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah, because Carpenter was go like you said, he went back to low budget because he didn't yeah, like this was just like George. George Romero was the same way. He was like, I'm tired of dealing with these people telling me what to do. I'm going to make what I want to make and I'll just pay for it myself. Even though, and I'll just say it for the record, we've said it several times, but the thing, in my opinion, is Carpenter's best movie. Yeah. And it was also his biggest budget. Well, so, he got to shoot on location too. Yeah. I mean, it was studio supported. He had mm -hmm. all the, you know, the bells and whistles he could have. He had over a year of pre-production, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So. So what um, what do you think about this, Josh? I mean, what stands out to you other than it starring your favorite wrestler? <laughs> I don't think Roddy's his favorite wrestler. It's not my favorite wrestler. Oh, okay. I did. Who like is your favorite wrestler? He's Sting. not wearing mom jeans. I bet. Steve. Sting. 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 Not like Sting from Sting the police. tantric every breath you musician take. from the <laughs> not police. That, no, not that one. Okay. Steve Bordenstein. Ah, okay. he um he used to have like the flat top blonde hair, and he had the face paint and the bright colored trunks. And then in the '90s, he had like a the crow look, and he had a baseball bat. Well, okay. Have oh. seen any of that? Mm -mm. No, no, oh. I've never, I've never been in person to a wrestling match, so to speak. You're missing out. Uh, I have talked to I I know associate with every now and then a few guys in the technical field of that who yes. like do the lasers or do the lighting or the pyro yeah. guys it's a big show else. and it's a big show it's a very big show but i would be terrified of the audience myself but that would just be <laughs> because there are people in that audience josh that i think believe that show those are the people that scare me probably a lot fewer than you think but, but some yes there are some Oh, they name their. But kids for the most after. part, for the most part, they're like me and Tyler, though. There, there are kids out there that are named Sting. I guarantee it, because of that. There, there's a kid out there named Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's Stone it. Cold. Yes, yes. And, and the Roddy is the Rock. Is. Yeah, I mean, we're just those are the people that scare me. But that's okay. Goldberg. <laughs> what? No, no, that's funny. I, I just I knew a couple of guys that were into it in the late 90s. So I know those names. It was before Dwayne was doing movies. 
Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also have in my trivia that um, they changed the Tim, I don't know if you know this. Did you know when it got European release? Because Josh, you had said, was it only released domestically? It was released in Europe and Asia, uh, but they changed the title. Did you read what they changed the title to? No, if I did, I don't remember. Invasion Los Angeles. No, I never the heard the name that. of this. I did hear that internationally. They called it, which kind of gives away the whole freaking first act. So, I mean, well, <laughs> you you remind me of a story about this movie that uh, maybe why I was disappointed by it. Yeah, <laughs> is that when I saw things about it. You know, coming soon in Fangoria magazine, John Carpenter's They Live sounds like a zombie movie. Yeah. It does not sound like a science fiction, you know, thriller. It's it true. sounded more like a, a zombie horror movie. And when it wasn't, I was like, damn. And if you go back and watch like a couple of the original trailers for this, they're really chaotic. It's I, I think they had trouble marketing this movie, knowing how to market it. Again, is it a satire? Is it not? Is it, do we play up the wrestler guy or do we play up the science fiction stuff? Do we try to negate the zombie title or do we, you know, try to play up Carpenter's horror cred? Yeah, I think the title's great. I love the title, but it doesn't, I mean, it makes me think of other things. Right. I don't think the title's perfect for this story. Mm, really. Not at all. What did you think of the ending? That's a good question for us both. All, what do you think? Um, what did you think of the ending, Josh? I don't know. I, I sort of like that it ended on that open note, like this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can just sort of let your imagination run wild with what happens next, and you don't really have to have a sequel. I guess the idea is like, oh, we're waking up, and the good guys are going to win. The humans are going to win the war, but you don't know. It ended up. I was curious why he didn't go back to the thing kind of ending. So we don't know if he wins or not and leave it that ambiguous and kind of cool. Since the thing had such an ending that everybody talked about for, you know, decades and decades. I still do. Yeah. yeah. So it would be interesting if it wasn't just literally the last shot is a middle finger to the aliens yeah, kind of thing. So him making the sacrifice and, and, and him dying. And, but like, other than that, we see like everyone waking up and it, I think things look like they're sort of more optimistic for us. So I think it leads to, we win. I mean, do you think or that's at least, what, or at least a war? It, yeah. it, we at least recognize them by the end of it. All yeah. the transmitters are broken. So now we can, you know, you turn around and see that the girl you just married happens to, look like a <laughs> uh you it's know. that thing carpenter does all the time at the end of movies he does like a montage of cuts you know this one they're kind yep. of funny in halloween it's the cuts of where everyone was murdered yep um true and we talk and in the thing it was the snow uh, every, it's the it's the outpost it's you're right. seeing all the burning wreckage of the outpost right yep. where everybody's gonna die <laughs> instead of where one already has died. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, it's like people being exposed to who, you know, they realize is not who they thought they were. And it's comedic. It's definitely comedic. Mm, yeah. Josh, you sent me that picture. If, if, if you had, if I had seen that, I would have thought that was the crow. Honestly, yeah. that's what I would. It's basically a, a knockoff of that. Okay. 
more or nope. less. Hopefully yeah, he won't play with a, with a gun because that would be bad. Just a baseball bat. Baseball bat. Yeah. Can, they use those in wrestling? Sometimes. They use chairs. They used to yeah. pick up folding chairs and whack people over the head. They, with they them. still do that sometimes. They don't hit them over the head now. That's uh, how you get CT and stuff. Aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> so and just what hit them in the body? They hit them over the back, or sometimes they'll take it and hit them in the gut with it. Okay. They'll do things where they put their leg kind of in between where it folds and they'll step on it to make it look like it's crushing their ankle. Oh, okay. They'll put it around their head on their neck and do the same thing. They used to do that stuff at Thompson Bowling, whatever, didn't they? In Knoxville. Didn't yeah. they have those things there? I think they, they did. Still do, probably. Yeah. What are you talking about? Interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I've got to say, after watching this one, because we we really we recently did a redux of the thing, our first real episode, and yep. went back and redid it again. And watching this, in addition to that, I mean, Carpenter's half and half to me. I like half his stuff, and the other half I don't. And I mm-hmm. see the issues with it. I, I mean, art, man, it's a cliff. I mean, if I had to put it in order and I took a list, so I, the thing, of course, is my favorite John Carpenter. Halloween would be number mm-hmm. two. I would put Assault on Precinct 13, third, Dark Star, fourth, and really? Escape. Dark fifth. Star? I like Dark Star, oh, but that's God. my sci fi. It's a basketball. It's, it's not just, <laughs> no, it's about an intelligent bomb that refuses to drop, dude. That's the plot. The basketball is a, the alien, that's the subplot. Uh, yeah. But see, you never like Starman, and Starman's a good movie. Starman's okay, yeah. I, and I, I love I Big put, Trouble in Little China. I put Big Trouble next, then The Fog, <laughs> and then Starman. Uh, Escape from New York. I put it fourth, fifth. Yeah, it's after Dark Star. But so they live doesn't even make the list. They live does not make my first seven of Carpenter's movies. No, no, mine either. I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's mostly just because I think it's it, it's all in the screenplay. He just every beat that he could do something he doesn't do. It's like I even have sure. in my notes, we're 43 minutes in. Oh, now it's time to meet our love interest. <laughs> you know, why isn't Meg Foster somewhere earlier? So we kind of get and then we're he's supposedly obsessed with her enough to want to protect I don't know, her. But though. They really I- had one meeting. Really? Uh, he wore a wedding ring the whole time. Really? Yeah. Okay. See, I didn't even notice that. So Yeah. So I didn't really get much of a, it's a love interest. I mean, I guess she's like the beautiful woman and he's the hero. So the archetype would be. Correct. Would be, but there was never in really much of a romantic vibe. I, that I got, I mean, there well, was, it, a was they were, it was the enemies to lovers trope. It's it's Could a trope in romance where you start off hating each other and fall for each other. That's the trope I picked up on. But, but then what, she ends up being a double agent. Yeah, but like at what point did they ever indicate that it was going to go in that direction? Though of- they didn't, because Carpenter wrote the screenplay. <laughs> I mean, it's based on that short story, and Carpenter did the screenplay. I mean, there's no other writers on there. But Josh, you're thinking unnecessary anyway right yeah what you're saying just like it's you you especially at this time you need to have a beautiful woman in the movie she didn't really 
she didn't really serve much of a greater purpose, did she? Well, other than the flip at the end, she's the the distrust. And didn't she get them access somewhere? No, because because she showed up at the uh, insurgents rebel meeting that was all secret. And she showed up there as a double agent. And we suddenly think, oh, she is one of us sort of thing. And he thinks that. Right. And then she doesn't really do anything else because they use the watch to get to the secret lair uh, place and see all of the galaxy quest. I like that concept. I liked that. Again, I think there's, like I said, somebody needs to talk to Lancaster. What's his name? Whoever the guy that wrote the thing, talk to him and have him do the screenplay for this. Yeah, but he's never written anything else but the bad news bears. Well, give the guy a chance, Tim. Everybody has to, you know, have a third shot. We have way too much information in our heads. If you didn't you do, you are swole up with it. But uh, <laughs> but I need the need. To, uh, it needs to be remade and it would be very topical now. I, mean, I think I it would, would make even... a series better. Yeah, it would be like so the invaders, cool. like one of those shows or V. V is a great example yeah but um but but that's one of my keys is very v like this whole thing Mm -hmm. is very v you know they wear they have literal masks that they wear then and they rip them off and they're a big lizard eating gerbils they're sleestack but but yeah um would you want to do some keys i mean there's lots of keys for this and from this i've got a few yeah yeah let's hear them uh well invasion of the body snatchers is the first one i thought of duh yeah. Yeah. And that that's back in 56. And then, of course, it was remade like four times. And but, any of those kind of works toward that. Like Us is the same way. That's a fairly new one. Uh, that's, that's a like doppelganger that. one, though. It's got a, more of a twist. Yeah. But still that somebody's not who they really appear to be sort of thing. Uh, any, like I said, uh, Matrix. Uh, Philip mm. K. Dick, any of those kind of paranoia stories that were out and made. I've got some specifics. I've got uh, Independence Day because the <laughs> deal about it is they're they're going from system to system to system, just drying up all the resources. He calls them locusts. And actually, there's a reference in this where he says the the bum guy who becomes rich says, you know, they're just here for the resources, man. Once they're all gone, they'll get out of here kind of thing. So that's the, the kind of key I had from that one galaxy quest because of the way they beam around, you know, that shows them get into the thing and then he's covered in a glow. And then he goes whoosh and swooshes out into the stars kind of thing, which is, (laughs) you can picture him landing on the other side going, well, that was a hell of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of deal. Um, what else? Do you find it odd that he looks like Kurt Russell? I found it very odd that he didn't cast Kurt Russell, but he cast someone that reminds me of Kurt Russell. What the reminds hair. you of Kurt Russell? The hair? The hair, and I don't maybe the flannel, and I don't know if <laughs> or mom jeans or not. The mom jeans? No, it's not Kurt? the mom jeans. Okay. Now, Kurt uh, had more style. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see the Kurt, the Kurt isms in it. But yeah, it, it reminds me. It, it it's like, could he not get Kurt Russell? <laughs> but I mean, I don't think Roddy's bad in this movie. I just think that um, 
it's weird that he let him look that way. He should have changed his look a little bit to just, if he was concerned of people thinking I cast Kurt Russell in my movies too much, why put someone in there that looks like him? Yeah. Is my, I guess what I'm trying to get at. Trying to get that archetype as his carpenter hero. Well, it's the Snake Plissken thing, which is a good key. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's, he's like, he's not as mean as Snake Plissken, but he becomes anti-establishment like Snake Plissken. Yep. Yeah. I found the, one of the other little one-liners that he had that was so great. He says, you know, you look like your head fell in the cheese dip back in 1957. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um formaldehyde face i've got face paul verhoven just because of the fake commercials and stuff that all the way through it again that kind of trope that he did does in all of his movies yeah you've met you've been brought that up before yeah uh you said mars attacks that's definitely key Uh, just in the the alien in the alien design sort of thing um I said the quiet man for the fight scene. Yeah. But the fight scene also went on to inspire something. And do you know what that is? No. In an episode of South Park 2001, (laughs) cripple fight between the handicapped kids, Jimmy and Timmy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, I wonder if you would extend it to the. I don't uh, think it was that long, though. No. I, well, speaking of long, I wonder if you would then possibly three infer minutes. the same amount of cringy, though. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but infer the uh, um, what is it, Peter and the chicken who are always fighting? In, yeah, uh, the giant chicken. Yeah, and it goes on for. I mean, they go from scene to scene and fight for like they ever. crash airplanes and stuff. Yeah, off always bombs too and... long. The fight is always too long. Yeah. So maybe that's him making fun of that particular trope, sort of thing. That's a good um, one. I have a key that came from this, Tim. That well, I just gave you one that came from this solely, solely <laughs> because, solely because Roddy Rowdy Piper was in this movie. They cast him in another movie. Do you know what it was? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Uh-uh, no. I, you and I have watched it because I think you're the one that made me watch it on VHS. Really? Yep. What? H- Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> oh, that's a Lee Russell movie. Yeah. That's not me. That's a Lee Russell movie. But yeah, I did but you watch made it me watch y'all. it. You watched no, it. I don't think so. I think so. <laughs> I think so. But I remember the title. Hell yeah. comes to frog and time. he's the lead in it. And his yeah. name is Hell, Sam Hell. Sam Hell. Yeah. Hell comes to Frogtown. And that I'll was have more to like add a, that to my list. Oh, Josh, if you've never seen it, you got to watch haven't. it. I haven't. Oh, giant frogs, dude. Giant frog people. They talk and everything. Hell comes to Frogtown. Picture like uh, a really animatronic version of the guys in Attack of the Clones. Uh, it's I want to say it's like a, one of those Charles Band type movies. Isn't yeah, it? it is. From sort the of. 80s. It reminds me of that, that 80s caliber. Yep. But because yeah. it must have been the next year because this was 88, right? So it had to be 89 or 90 for Hell Comes to Frogtown. So, yeah, there's that. I don't recognize the directors on it, but I would bet that that was like a, a either that or Corman. Could be Corman. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Woo-hoo. Those are all your keys? That's all my I've, keys. I've got yeah. another one, I think. Yeah? What is it? Do I? Oh, no, maybe I don't. No, I, 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 I guess I blew it with my South Park one. That was it. That was a good one, though. I it was a good that one. one. <laughs> Just so you know, there was a sequel to Hill Comes to Frogtown. Oh, was he in it? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Return to Frogtown. Return to Frogtown. No, but Lou Ferrigno was in it. Ah, well, let's get another wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And then Toad Warrior was released in 1996. Toad Warrior. I missed this entire franchise. How is that third in the Hellcomes to Frogtown series? The trilogy. The Toad Warrior. Straight to VHS. By George Miller in Australia. Perfect. <laughs> hey, you've got you've got to watch Hell Comes to Frog Time. I'm going. I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm going to do it. Oh, it uh, Tim. Tim will appreciate this, Josh. I don't know if you will, but I have been trying to get Tim for years now to do Monolith Monsters because it's a movie I remember. It's sci-fi. On. You're the one that chooses those, not well, me. Uh, okay, you don't get all snippy about. <laughs> don't, it. Just put, don't blame me. <laughs> it's I your keep, choice. <laughs> I keep telling Tim Monolith Monsters. Yes. Uh, so we're going to do it once, and it was actually on the television. That's what they're watching. That gets interrupted by the the broadcast from the underground. They're watching Monolith Monsters. Oh, they nice. even say that, don't they? Yes, I seem to I think remember they that. mention the name, the actual title, mm-hmm. because it's an excellent piece of you know pre fifties. It Monster gets pretty movies. high ratings. It's a good movie. I think. I, I remember. I, I think. I remember it as a kid. I haven't watched it in like decades. Yeah, I'm sure I'm like going to watch it and go, man, I've been talking about this movie for years and it sucks. <laughs> like the Deadly Mantis. <laughs> hey, Deadly Mantis is good. No, Tim has no taste in giant insect movies. I do too. What? I, Deadly I Mantis. They're fun. Well, they're not them. Them is the best. But Josh, what's your favorite giant insect movie? <laughs> I've never been asked that before. See, that's why know. you have us on the show to ask you it these is. questions. These I are don't important. know. It's apparently Mothra, uh, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I don't you, know. Well, you need to watch them. Them, watch them. is my favorite. I guess I need I to. Uh, yeah, I need to watch a few more. Yeah. I'll get back to you. Hey, totally unrelated to everything we're talking about yes I'm sir just curious have you all ever seen the movie repo man the genetic opera mm-hmm. wait are you talking about the original with emilio s fest no 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 the other one uh, i've not seen it then yeah um, i've seen it what do you think vague, about that? i vaguely remember kind of liking it but feeling bad that i liked it so i would have to watch that's, it again to that find sounds out. about right that's 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 a good way to describe it because it's music, one of those. A lot of it's really good. Yeah, like uh, Tim, do you remember Phantom of the Paradise? Ooh, yes. And how Brian parts of that could have been good, but weren't. You know what I mean? It's. I, I seem to remember Paul Williams Repo Man being like that. That I liked the music because it had like a. Who's the guy that does all of Meatloaf's music? Not Bernie Taupin, uh, the other one. It's uh, not, sh- yeah, it's definitely not. Oh, shoot. Anyway, he's the lyricist who does all of Meatloaf's stuff, all the very um, operatic rock music. And it a lot of the music had that feel to it. It was really cool music, but I think I remember the the product of the movie. I was going, eh, yeah. Eh, um, eh. Anthony Head is one of the leads in it. 
Yeah, from, from uh, Giles. Buffy. Buffy. Giles. Yeah, and he he's great. He's the yeah. best thing about the whole thing. That's one that you should. It's worth yeah. a watch one time. We should put. I it's a musical it's movie. It's a. It's yeah. like a horror musical. It's very yep. gory. Is it the same premise as Repo Man? No. Sor- Where they well, I mean, open the trunk and it's Man, like another dimension or whatever. No, 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 no. So there's all these diseases and stuff, and this company uh, comes up with a way to like rent you new organs, but yeah. the the price on it is like outrageous so you're basically paying it for the rest of your life and if you miss payments they send the repo man to repossess the organs that you're borrowing it's a horror version of that rocky horror skit where they show up and go hello we're here to no clean that's your monty python not monty rocky python, horror no. i mean monty python sorry uh, we've come here. for your liver we've come for your liver i'm but sorry i'm using it. it right now i'm sorry you did sign this release it says yes. <laughs> it's like that yeah. Oh man, that's funny. But done as a horror movie. Yeah, I remember that. That was Paul Sorvino is in it. Um, I love Paul Sorvino. Sarah Brightman, the uh, she was in the original Phantom of the Opera cast. Yep. Uh, yep. Well, she was his wife. Um, mm-hmm. We Paris discovered this stuff. Minor was, he's, part. Paul Sorvino is the only good thing in that movie. Cool. I yeah. to, I, now I'm now I'm going to have to watch it, Josh. That's a good one to throw in. Yeah, it's when we were kids, we were crazy about it because we thought it was this cool thing that no one knew about but us uh but then you watch it again years later remembering it so fondly and it's like eh no that's happened that's happened to us a few times the past couple of seasons with johnny where we we, you know obviously we put the movie on there because we remember it and you watch it again go that wasn't as good as i thought it was was it you know yeah it's 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 okay like some but some of the music though it's really great like it's rock and roll it's heavy yeah. um and and anthony head is great like he's where he makes it worth it alone but yeah jim williams does not do that for phantom of the paradise no jim steinman or Steinman, I think, is the the lyricist. He's the lyricist for Meatloaf and for a few others that were uh, big in the at that time. So, yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I got what I asked for. I wanted the expert opinion <laughs> on "They Live." We've <laughs> we're having so much fun that we can't even end the show. We don't yes, ever want to end. But it's been a blast. I. Uh, really enjoyed hearing your all's takes on it and the connections to other movies a lot of them that i don't know about like hell comes to Frogtown, which there is on go. the list here i've got it quiet man i'm gonna circle it quiet man mm-hmm. yeah. it's a great great movie even though john wayne's in it it's not a western it's set in ireland he's a retired boxer okay yep that accidentally killed somebody i'll add that one to the list mm-hmm. yeah all right. Well, we have uh, talked about they live. We've chewed the bubble gum. We've 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 done it all. Mission accomplished. So, um, all right. do you guys want to do any quick uh, plugs for anything you guys are doing? Um, well, we just recorded our two hundredth episode. Wow! Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, that will air sometime next year, though. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it airs in February. I don't know. We're in our sixth season. We do 40 movies or 40 episodes a year. So it's at least 40 movies, not counting double features. And 
I don't know. We're, yeah. We're back in the swing of things doing, um, we, like David said, we're doing some reduxes of some original episodes that we did in our first season and just. And we're doing fun. some fan requests. So if, if mm-hmm. you and, and Dr. T, Dr. T have any, uh, Requests, let us know. Well, yeah. we'll put them on man, the list. Repo Man, the genetic opera. There you go. <laughs> it's first one. So, all right. Thank you guys so Thank much. You. And uh, we will catch you all next time. All next right. Time. Boom. Bye. There once were two dudes who met back in college. Nobody loved pop culture more. So they started a podcast to talk all about it. And 30 and Nerdy was born. Oh, 30 and Nerdy was born. You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher or movies like Lord of the Rings. And if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel, while Tyler goes more for DC. Yes, Tyler goes more for DC. Now come, come, one and all, nerd up or shut up, just answer the call to be part of our journey into magical worlds. Join us and cheers to ya nerds. Join us and cheers to ya nerds.